I can get on my jigget up like some of us. That sun feels a whole lot better than that cold wind. Can I get an amen to that? Hallelujah. All of you that's looking forward to winter and wanting it to get cold, you can have my part. Praise the Lord. My goodness, you look good from here. Maybe I'll start a new trend. You look good from here. Amen. I feel fortunate to be able to see you from anywhere. But uh, thank you for putting forth your best effort to come and be in the house of the Lord this morning. There's a lot going on. I would be remiss if I didn't take a moment to say what beautiful singing, what beautiful music was presented to us in the worship portion of this service. And any time that those of you that play and sing like today feel like that you're only back up because Sister Shay and others are not present, we know how great they are and how they present music in such a powerful and positive way. And they aren't here this morning because they're ministering in the state of Michigan. It's one of those payback deals. We had Brother Richmond here a few months ago, and now uh, what goes around comes around. Brother Sharon is with Brother Richmond in Michigan, and we don't ever want to reach a place that nobody wants our speakers. We don't ever want to be noted as a church that has two or three preachers and nobody wants them. We have great preaching and great character in this church. Absolutely, we missed Brother Sharon this morning. He's the pastor. He's the CEO. He's the day-to-day voice that watches for your soul and leads you forward. I'll tell you something else. If he was here, he might run the aisles and jump on the furniture. But don't get your hopes up of me doing that this morning. But I'll tell you what you can have your hopes up on, that I came hungry and you're in luck. The only way I can feed my hunger is get finished here. I'm all that stands between us and dinner, and I'm working my way that way. What did the song that was written about that say? I'm working my way back. No, that may have been a different song. Anyway. Anyway. Hallelujah. On the subject of songs, Sister Raynell. I hope when I'm feeling my very best and in my best voice, I can sound as good as you did singing sick this morning. That's some of the best sick singing I've ever heard. Thank you for it. And the Greens, I not only love that song. I've not figured out whether that song is truly jazz root or blues or just an old black spiritual from the... But I like it. I like it. And beyond that, I don't want them to know, but I like them too, don't you? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory. If you have Bibles with you, and I won't ask you to do something I'm not going to do this morning. I'm not going to the labor of getting up and down out of this chair. So I won't ask you to stand either. I'll let you rest. you got a head start on your nap. If anybody is sleepy enough that you doze off this morning 
while I'm speaking. I will not be rude to you. I won't insult you. I won't wake you up harshly because if I put you to sleep, it's my responsibility to either let you rest or wake you up. So, hallelujah. Come to class with me this morning. We're going to study the Word of the Lord together in a little bit of a unique fashion from the second epistle of Timothy, Paul's writings to Timothy, his son in the gospel. The second chapter, I want you to note for the reading of the text, verse number 15. We'll read that together. In fact, why don't we read in unison? Remember when we used to do that some? We'd have a, we'd have a, a lesson that was prepared and everybody read it. Read verse 15 with me in unison, would you? Here we go. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Praise God. How many of you can remember, you can show hands on this question, how many of you can remember reading that verse before or hearing it read before or it's an active verse that's been ministered into your life at some time in the past? How about? I'm not at all surprised at that. Me too. Me too. And when the Lord started in the last several days dealing with my spirit to use this passage as the framing concept for today's lesson, I thought, why would we do that? Everyone knows the passage in Timothy. It's prominent. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We memorized it. We've committed it to our life study and memory. And probably in many, most, maybe even all our cases, it's become a commitment to us that this is what I want to do. But when the Lord drew my attention to this afresh and anew, and I started this preparation for today's class, I realized something that I'd passed over in my previous times of study and recollecting of this information. And that is in verse 15 of 2 Timothy 2. There appears to be a direct and active correlation between how we study, how we commit ourselves to that life preparation of constant study, and the workman we become due to that study the approval that God gives us based upon our workmanship. And the proof of these things is that we learn to use the Word of God in a non-confrontational, non-prejudicial fashion. 
We learned to use the word of the Lord, and I did go to the lexicon in this study to make sure that I was not using a word out of pretext or concept. And this rightly dividing the word of truth comes from a Greek word that means using truth correctly or using truth precisely. And if I put it into an Americanization, what the phrase actually means, ladies and gentlemen, is cutting straight. That's what rightly dividing the words of truth means. Cutting straight. Brother Moody, I know what kind of cowboy I want to be. I want to be one that if he gets bucked off, he gets back on. I want to be one that if he gets an injury, he sucks it up and competes through the pain. I want to be the kind of cowboy, you're right, can I quote you on that, that never quits. I want to be a straight shooter. I want to be the kind that Zane Gray and Louis Lamar wrote about. That they would get up early when the thistle was still in dew and, uh, and the uh, cactus was showing its purple flowers of evening and, and ride face into the sun to correct an atrocity that had been made against somebody. That's what we've grown up. Oh, maybe it's only legendary. See, we live in a politically correct time when they've made the Wyatt Earps and the Doc Holidays and, uh, and uh, the Jesse Jameses and the uh, Dalton Gang and, and uh, sheriffs and outlaws alike on the same level that you can't tell who wore the white hats and who wore the black hats. Well, I'll tell you something. In a confused and mix-and-match world, I want to be a straight shooter. I want to learn to rightly divide, to cut precisely. Now, can I just say right, time out a minute. Before I say what I'm getting ready to say, let me tell you. We have guests in here today that we're delighted to have. I don't happen to have a card on each and every one of you, but... It's unusual for the speaker to sit in a rocking chair, so that's new to everyone, not just you. But it's not unusual for us to be happy as a congregation to have someone with us that maybe has not chosen membership yet with us. But I want to tell you something. If you were to decide to call this church your home and your place of, of continued fellowship, you're going to find out that sometimes the Word cuts every one of us to the bone. If you're looking for somebody that's made it, if you're looking for somebody that's everything that they wish to be or should be or the public wants them to be or they represent in perfect array what the title presents, 
I'm not there yet. But I want to be honest enough to say I'm still on my way. When the bull bucks, if I don't hear the whistle for the eight seconds, then I'm going to guarantee you one thing. I'm going to be looking for an opportunity for a re-ride because I didn't start out in this Christian journey to quit. I wish I could get a witness to that. It was not this altar that I found my way to, but I found my way as a child to one very similar. And I did what every one of you have done, whether it was this place or another, in order to be introduced into the workmanship and the livelihood of Christianity, I had to make my own repentance. I had to come to confession with the person I was. And as a child, it was not so much the person I was, but it's the person I was not. I had not yet become. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to realize that in this study, in this workroom, in this preparation level that we call life, you can't ever quit growing. Jesus gave us a very powerful and very prominent parable. And I think it was more than a parable because I think he was speaking of himself and his going away through death, burial, and resurrection, ascension back into glory and preparation for a rapture. And as a congregation, we believe all those things. We believe in a repentance that sets us free from sin. We believe in a washing of baptism that cleanses us from our past. Please, if you're a guest here or if you're a member here, don't let your past failures cancel out all your future opportunities. Don't let what you were not in your past hinder you from becoming what you could be in your present and your future. I'm here to tell you the future looks great for those that never quit learning, never stop studying, never take for granted I've become everything I can become. I've come today to tell you that Jesus in one of his most powerful lessons said, and I think he was talking about himself, the master of a house, the goodman of a household, went away. And he gave unto his servants talents. Those talents represent whether it's money or goods or lands or, or deeds or whatever it is. It's resource that they could actively invest to become profitable, to produce a result. I didn't get the Holy Ghost when I was a child to sit somewhere on a pew and simply wait for the Lord to come back. I got into this thing to become, in actuality, what our dear friend and departed brother, Brother Jack Campbell, wrote in the words of his and Billy's song, Jesus, use me. Oh Lord, don't refuse me. Surely there's some work I can do. Even if it's humble, Lord, 
Help my will to crumble. Though the cost be great, I'll work for you. I'm telling you, you cannot look first at the cost while you're sitting in a non-converted, non-redeemed position. If you look at what it costs, it all costs too much. I don't understand the rules. I don't understand the regulations. I'd never be able to be good enough. I could never rise to the level to become what everybody else is. Because see, when conviction is eating at your very soul's lining and telling you, you can be more. You can rise higher. You can become what you've only dreamed about finding in others. You think, no, I could never do that. But it's not something where you jump from the back pew or the seventh row or the third row to the altar and instantly you're good. You still struggle. You still study actively on how can I overcome habit? How can I break free from hang-ups? How can I put away the hurts? that have caused me to become what I have become. But oh, I've come today to tell somebody that all of your past failures, all of your past falterings, everything that you feel like has cut you down and brought you low cannot keep you from rising to your very best and very highest level of what you can become if you say, I didn't get in this to be a waiter, I got it into this to be a worker. I'm going to not only be a part of his workmanship, but I'm going to be a worker to bring in others to the cause of Christ. There's nothing more exciting than you being the vehicle that brings somebody else into a soul-saving knowledge of what Jesus is. It might be your offspring. It might be your sibling. It might be your parent. It might be a cousin, an uncle, an aunt, some other relative. Or it might be a neighbor. It might be a friend. It might be a co-worker on your job. But I'm telling you, when you have learned the joy of winning somebody else to Christ, there's nothing in the world like being able to say, Thank you, Lord. Even though it's humble, and even though my will crumbled in this, you've used me to bring somebody else into your kingdom. How many of you is that your goal in life? Amen. Amen. It's a constant study. Because there's a really a, a real devil out there. Is there anybody in here who didn't know there was really a devil? Do you know even atheists believe in the devil? They don't believe in God. They believe in the devil because he's so active. And you know God's active too, but a lot of his activity is through us. So if we'll be more active, we can make God more active. Study to show yourself approved. Now that caught my attention, Brother Step. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody preach about it or even draw attention to it. But the, instantly the thing I thought when I saw it said, 
something about being approved, about having approval. I went to my space eater. And I went to my, my wife bought me an electric recliner for my birthday and for Christmas and for our anniversary <laughs> and probably for my birthday next year too. That's why I've been scratching around making sure that the warranty lasts longer than the gift detail. Because I don't want to break my present and wind up with my lip down. And I, I pull the cord of the, the, oh, I hate to even use this phrase. This is a man phrase right here. I pull the cord of the remote for that chair. It's not truly a remote or it wouldn't be on a cord. But anything that's got buttons on it that'll change channels, change stations, change positions, change location. I love it, I love it, I love it. Man, I know that I could get into water that's very disputed and very opinionated here, but I can't sin with my remote because I go to sleep before it even gets changed. And I pull that cord up on that chair that changes positions, and I found a little tag on it. And you know what that tag said on that cord of my electric remote on my electric recliner that will lift me up and stand me up if I want it to. Brother Green, I confess, I'm not lazy enough yet that I'm doing that. But I'm expecting that sometime when I'm there all by myself and nobody can see me, I'll try it out just to see how it works. But that, that tag on that cord says, this product has been tested by such and such. It's undergone the highest quality standards for production and for, for use and was approved on such and such a date by so and so. And it amazes me that on my space heater, it's got a sticker that says something very serious, very similar. I got to looking and found one of those tags inside part of my clothes. Does that mean somebody tried my clothes on before I got them to make sure they had fit me? Does that mean they tried all the buttons and all the zippers and all of the flaps to make sure they worked? Probably not. I hope not. Oh, my goodness. It brings a new meaning and a new feeling to making sure I wash everything before I wear it, even if it's new. But I'll tell you what it does mean. When you read that in the lining of your clothes, on the cord of a chair or a heater or a new appliance that you buy, it means that somebody, before that went down the line and the screws were put in place, before the coils were put in or the tubes or the 
transistors or the relays, depending on whatever it is was being built, before the stitching was put in place, before all the padding was put in the places it needed to be padded, and all the linings was put in the place it needed to be lined, and all the buttons were sewn on. Somebody studied that product out to the extent that they were sure before it was ever test-driven, if it happened to be a vehicle, before it was ever tested, if it happened to be an appliance, before it was ever quality-controlled, if it happened to be clothing, they had already studied and gone to the extent of American workmanship, if it was an American product, to make sure it was going to measure up to the highest expectation. I'm not asking anybody to listen to me today and choose religion. I like the words of the song. You can get churched out. Religion is not our answer. You can come into this place with such a broken spirit, such a fractured heart, that you think that's not going to work out well for me. But I'm here to tell you, there is an eternal throne. There is a place at the foot of the cross. There is a working relationship in the power of Calvary that will make you different than you've ever been before and will assure you, in fact, if you'll allow me to overwork the Word, it will approve you to the reality that you'll never be the same again. Oh, my God, I've never been like I once was. I may not be everything I want to be, but I'm not everything I used to be. I may not have risen yet to the highest possibility of what I expect to become, but I can tell you, neither have I fallen to the lowest level of where I once was because when He finds you and He picks you up and when God dips His pen of blood in your heart, and He changes you once and for all. You'll never go back. It doesn't matter if you're not everything you should be. It doesn't matter if you say, Well, I once was saved and now I'm a backslider. I got news for you. You can never go back to being what you were before the blood found you, before the water washed you, before the Spirit cleansed you. You can sit on the high stool with a long neck in your hand, drinking with your buddies. But when they get behind your back, they're going to say, as hard as she tries, or as hard as he tries, they're just not like us. I don't know what it is, but there's something different about them. I'll tell you what it is. It's the workmanship, that there's something been imparted. There's another word for straight shooting. It's been imparted into your spirit. You got something vaccinated into your soul whenever you came to know Jesus, that you'll never be the same. So I'll tell you what I recommend if we had time to back up. In fact, I told Sister Star we'd back up and read from 11 through 19. But I'm just too hungry to go that far, folks. We're just too close to quitting time for me to get into something I can't finish. So let me just peruse it for you from my memory. It talks about even if God were to den even if you were to deny God, God can never deny himself. 
What He is, He's always been. In the beginning, God. In the end, God. Between every line, God. From start to finish, God. Alpha and Omega, God. Beginning and ending, God. The first, the last, the all-wise, the all-true, the all-knowing, the all-purposeful. God can never be less than He is right now. He will never need to be more than what He is right now because He's always God. He's God on the platform. He's God back at the door. The song says, He's God in the amen corner. And He's God all over the floor. I need a witness. Is there anybody knows God's still God? And God don't ever need to change. Is there anybody realizes God is God? And Jesus is His name. When you get acquainted with Jesus, you bring the Father into relationship in your life because the same was in the beginning with God. And the Word was made flesh and was God. Not only when you get the Word do you get God. And when you get God, Jesus is His name. But when you're infused into the infilling of the baptism, the endowment, the empowerment, the overall activity of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Power infilling, the endowment, the New Testament flame, whatever you've learned to call it, when it comes into your life and becomes an active part of your regeneration. You not only have the Father, but you also have the Son. Because Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless, but the Holy Ghost, which my Father will send you in my name, will teach you all things. I'm here to tell you, when you get Jesus, you get relationship not only with the Son of God, but you get relationship with the Father. Because God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself. When you get Jesus, you not only get relationship with the Father, but you gain access to the Holy Ghost because it's sent to us in His name. I know Jesus is the Father. I know Jesus is the Son. I know Jesus is the Holy Ghost. And all these three are one. One passage says... These three agree in one, a passage says. These three abide in one. You don't have to look for these three to be three. You don't have to look for a division, a separation. You can look for an amalgamation. These three agree in. These three abide in. These three are one. For it was God, the Father, as Creator. It was Jesus, the Son, as Redeemer. And it's the Holy Ghost in the church as regeneration. But by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. It's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's above all, through all, and in you all. And I've come today to tell you I've made it my study. I've made it my practice. I want to be a part of that workmanship. I want that working in me. And if you'd bow your heads with me right now, we'll pray together.
We'll ask God to let that workmanship, that study, that straight shootership become your experience as well. Why don't you just reach out and touch and agree with someone close enough to you that you can touch? It might be a deacon like Brother Moody on the front row agreeing with the young people. I'm so happy you young people were in here today. It might be ladies like Sister Laura and Sister Green, or it might be a couple like Brother and Sister Green. It's like you and your friend where you're sitting. Reach out and touch and agree with somebody right now. And pray this prayer, Lord, I want to be a part of that workmanship. No way, shape, or form do I think that I'm everything I can be. And I know that you purposed and you represented yourself in the parable of the talents. And everybody's abilities were on a different level. I'm not just like everyone else. I'm not just like anyone else. Now, I don't know if I'm one talented or two talented or five talented. But all you demand of me is that I study to be approved. A workman that doesn't have any reason to be ashamed of how straight he's cut. How straight he's shot. I ask you, O oh Lord, if I'm one talented, all I have to do is add one other to be prosperous, to be profitable. I don't have to be five talented if I'm two talented. All I got to do is add two others. Come on, somebody, pray right now. Help me, Lord, to be profitable in your kingdom. I can sing a song. Why? Sister Raynell, I'll get up sick. And sing a song because that's what I can do to profit the kingdom. I'll teach little children to sing and to worship in Sunday school, Sister Meredith, because that's what I can do to be profitable. I'll witness to people on my job. I'll let my life be a light at school or at work or at leisure because a living testimony a living epistle is powerful. But one thing I'll never do is, Father, I'll never turn loose of the life commitment and life study to be the very best me I can become. Are you praying that? Are you praying, Lord, I just want to be better? I just want to be better. Turn to someone right now that you trust. That might be the hardest part. Turn to someone right now that you trust and look them in the eye. Look them right in the face and say, I want to get committed to you for you to help me. You have my permission to help me become the very best I can become. Now, here's where it gets sticky. Tell him. I'm not asking you to judge me. I'm not asking you to make a list of my faults. 
because I already know I have those. I'm asking you to enhance me, to strengthen me, to hold me up. If I fall down, don't step on me. Don't step over me. But give me a hand to get me back up. Does anybody feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm saying? That's the kind of Christian I want to be. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. I'm not going to stop cutting clean. I'm not going to stop shooting straight. But I'll tell you what's more dangerous than anything I can think of is somebody that's accurate that shoots everything that moves. I'll tell you what I call that, Brother Green. That's a killer. Brother Anthony, I call that a gunslinger. They need black boots and a black leather vest and black gloves. I think that's the way Zane and Lewis would represent it. Hey, I want to be one of those with a white hat. Everybody that wants to wear a white hat, stand up right now. Amen. Brother Anthony, thank you for indulging me with this privilege. And thank you for helping me so much with your dispositions and your attitudes. And we made it till lunchtime. Thank you, Bishop. Can you say amen? amen. You know, he was uh, talking, teaching, preaching or treaching, whichever one you want to call it. And he used the example of the bull rider. He said he don't know if he'll be on that bull when the eight-second bell rings, but if he's not, he wants to re-ride. You know, a lot of folks in life have a bucket list. Any of y'all got a bucket list? Well, at my age, I don't have on my bucket list that I want to climb to the top of a mountain. Because as clumsy as I am at my age, I like to fall off and kill myself. And I don't have any desire to go skydiving either. Who in their right mind jumps out of a perfectly good airplane, depending on a parachute that somebody else packed, and you don't even know if they packed it right? And I'm going to tell Brother Magruder, I ain't getting on no crazy wild bull either. But you know what? In the bull ride of life, sometimes you do get bucked off. There's some bull rides in life sometimes that the bull's angry. He's mad. And he even tries to gore you a little bit. You can quit. He was talking about all the straight shooters, and I remembered old Marshall Dillon and Festus. Y'all remember them? How about old Hoss Cartwright? Oh, man, Bonanza. Or Rooster Cogburn. I'll tell you, partner. Or Mr. Clint Eastwood, make my day. Sometimes the devil tries to make your day. You got to stay a straight shooter. You got to get back up and try again. You got to study some more. You, you know what? You might have studied it all you thought. You knew it all the answers. Guess what? Sometimes the questions change. Brother Magruder, it's not like it was 40 years ago trying to get people to come to church. The test changed a little bit. We got modern lectures. Tronics. You know, you can reach more people socially on the media now than you could knocking on doors. It'd take you a year to knock on doors and meet all the people. I can just send out one message to catch in just a few minutes. 
You got to study to show thyself approved. Thank you, Brother Magruder. That was awesome. I want to be committed to you.